Sunday night service. All right, Acts chapter number 9. I've rambled on enough. Let's get into the Word of God today. Acts chapter 9. We're going to pick up where we left off last week. Preacher, where'd you leave off? One verse. <laughs> that was it. I just got one verse in. As I got four points, and we got one verse in. Amen. Uh, but uh, I'm not planning on this turning into a four-week series out of the book of Acts, a mini-series out of the book of Acts. Uh, so the Lord's help, and if you'll help me preach this morning with the Holy Ghost help, I'll, I'll get through this today. And we're talking about how to be a successful, how to be successful in our service for the Lord. And uh, there's probably no greater example, I believe, to us from the Word of God than that of the Apostle Paul. We're studying the book of Acts, and we're going verse by verse. And we're looking at a church on fire, a church set on fire of the Holy Ghost being used of God. See, the work of Christ, though the finished work in salvation has been done, the work, the gospel work, the evangelistic work of Christ is not finished. It's not completed. For Luke told Theophilus in the first chapter that he wrote before those things that Christ began to do. Began to do. That's the gospel of Luke. What Christ began to do. So when Jesus died on the cross, was buried, he rose again the third day, ascended back to the Father, and left the promise that he would come again, that wasn't the end. As I've said, it was just the end of the beginning. And God is continuing to do his work through his people as we've seen it example for us in the book of Acts. We've come through that first section of the book of Acts where the church has had its start, its birth, and it's going out into the world preaching the gospel. First at Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and now to the as we study the life of Saul, and uh, who will later be known as Paul, uh, to the ends of the earth, to the uttermost part of the earth. And God uses Saul. He uses Paul uh, to be an instrument in his hand, to be used of God to bring the gospel to many people. You say, preacher, why, why would you use Saul or Paul in the, uh, the, the, the example for a servant as this text lays out? Well, Paul called himself a servant. We studied that last week. Romans 1 and 1, Paul says to the Roman church, he said, I am a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be a, uh, an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. 1 Corinthians 4 and 1, Paul said, let, no, or let a man rather so account of us as the ministers or the servants of Christ and the stewards of the mysteries of God. 1 Corinthians 9, 19, Paul says, I'm free from all men, but I have made myself a servant to all that I may win the more. Paul called himself a servant. Paul said, who is a servant of God? He was a slave, that's the word. He is a bond slave. He is a willing slave, not serving out of obligation or out of fear of some kind of uh, uh, punishment physically on this earth, but he's serving God out of love and out of a heart of service to the Lord. So Paul considered himself a servant. We know that Jesus said that if any man is going to be a, a minister, if any man, or rather going to be a, a leader, he must be a minister. Jesus himself said, I came to serve, not to be served. He washed the feet of his disciples, but he never commanded them to wash his feet. Seemed like that thing was backwards. Seemed like they should have been washing the feet of Jesus. But Jesus donned himself with a towel, and he got beneath those sinful disciples, and he washed their dirty, stinking feet. What a servant. I mentioned a quote, and I'll quote it again this week without telling you who it's from because some of you will cut me off. 
But as I said last week, you ain't got to like the person for me to quote them. So anyway, the quote is, you were made to contribute, not to consume. God made you to make a difference, and it matters. And what matters, rather, is not how long you live, but how you live. What matters is not the duration of your life, but the donation of your life. The Bible tells us we were created to serve. We're saved to serve. We are gifted to serve, and we are commanded to serve. That's one thing to serve God. We're also commanded to serve others. And so we looked last week, and if we're going to be the servants that God wants us to be, then we have to realize that God is the one who will give us the strength to serve Him. If we're going to serve God, we cannot serve it in our own strength. We need two types of strength, both physical strength and spiritual strength. And God gives Saul the strength he needs to begin to serve the Lord. After three days and three nights of not eating and drinking anything, uh, of fasting and, and not even sleeping, Paul is, or, or Saul in this case is, is tired, he's hungry, and he needs physical strength. And God understands that. So what does God do in verse number 19? God sends some meat his way. God sends some bread his way. And Saul begins to eat, and he is strengthened physically. And I'm glad we serve a God today that while we are serving him, he is well aware of the physical needs that we have in this life. You say, preacher, nobody understands. Nobody knows uh, uh, the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. I got good news for you. There's a God in heaven. There's somebody out there. He knows your physical need. He knows what you need in your body. He made it, He made these bodies. Uh, David said we are uh, just dust and God knows our frame. Jesus taught, taught us to pray in the Lord's model prayer. He said that we ought to pray, give us this day. In another place it said, give us day by day. Uh, uh, talking about the manna in the wilderness where God would give them manna and say, there you have all that you need for that day. Don't take any more than you need. Don't take any less for you, uh, for you need. Uh, why, preacher? Because God knew that they would have need tomorrow. And guess what? God was going to provide the physical need uh, that they needed needed tomorrow so if you can trust God to uh, supply it for tomorrow and you know God supplied it for yesterday why don't we trust that God will give the strength needed today in the physical uh, uh, in your flesh uh, that God will give you that strength to serve him then he gives spiritual uh, strength and we've seen last week that he does it for two reasons especially for Saul number one he done it so that he would overcome his past he needed strength spiritually if he was going to serve God uh, to have strength to overcome the old Saul of what he used to be. I'm glad that old song said, oh, those things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. Uh, who I used to be, I'm not that person anymore. Why? There's been a great change that has taken place since the Lord found me. And he'll give you strength to overcome your path, but give you strength to overcome your problems. After this, uh, and I'm getting to our text, we're fixing to read uh, in the word of God I hadn't forgotten that we're going to read some scripture in just a minute but we find that as Saul increased the more in strength and he began to teach the Bible said he confounded the Jews that were dwelling at Damascus verse 22 proving that this is very Christ and after many days were fulfilled the Jews took counsel to kill him 
And so Saul looks ahead in his service for God and it's not a bunch of rainbows and roses but it is a, a, it is a, a, a trail of tears and it is a, a time of trouble in his life. And I, I, I tried to encourage you last week by reminding you that troubles will come and problems will be there and there will be times when you're turned away by the very ones that you expect to love you and appreciate you. Jesus said a prophet is not without honor save in his own country and friend there are times when family will uh, reject you and friends will uh, uh, reject you and people will deceive you and they'll plot for your demise Uh, but God I tell you God gives strength in those days at my first answer Paul said no man stood with me but every man forsook me I pray that God would not let to their charge notwithstanding we said last week notwithstanding Christ stood with me and strengthen me that by me the gospel might be preached unto the Gentiles. So God will give you strength. So what do we do, preacher, in the physical, in the, in the spiritual realm? How do, we, how do we serve the Lord? Ephesians 6.10, he said, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Dunamis, dynamite. You've got explosive power living on the inside of you. Well, I preach right there. Why you pray for me? I just can't change the way I am. I can't stop doing what I And you're telling me that the same spirit that raised the dead man out of the grave lives inside of you, and it ain't enough power to change your life. I want to tell you, friend, I don't want to be a firecracker Christian. I don't want to just appear for a little while and amuse for a little time, and then the, the, all that's left is smoke that's left behind. Honey, I want to be a dynamite Christian, and I want to make an experience explosion for God and I want to make a difference uh, in other people's lives so God will give you strength number two verse number 22 but Saul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus proving that this is very Christ and after that many days were fulfilled the Jews took counsel to kill him but their laying await was known to Saul and they watched the gates day and night to kill him the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. When Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. And they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the, the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way and that he had spoken to them and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was and he was coming, excuse me, and he was with them coming in and going out of Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of the Lord and disputed against the Grecians. But they went about to slay him, and when the brethren knew, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him forth to Tarsus, then had the churches rest throughout all Jerusalem, or Judea, excuse me, and Galilee and Samaria, and were edified and walking in the fear of the Lord, and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. I want to look to you uh, uh, together today at the Word of God for the next few moments and just three more thoughts in this text about how we can be successful in our service for God. We need to first know that God will give us strength. But the second thing we see in the text is not only that God will give us strength, but we see that God will give us strategy. 
God doesn't call us and send us out there and then just say, do the best you can. <laughs> Boy, it'd be sad, wouldn't it? Well, we'd be ultimate failures if God was to say, just do the best you know how, just do the best you can, and, and just do whatever you know to do. Honey, I want to tell you, we would, be, uh, we would be in a bad shape, but Paul helps us understand that God, uh, after saving him, gave him a strategy. God gave him strength, and then God gave him the strategy uh, as to what he was to do. You remember he told Ananias, he said he's a chosen vessel. I've chosen for myself and I'm going to take him and I'm going to use him for my honor and for my glory these verses we find that there are two key strategies that God gave to Saul and that God gives to us the church today first of all we see that he preached the good news about Jesus what does Saul do first off well first thing he does is he finds a group of fellow believers we'll get to that in just a minute he finds others like him that have been saved and he joins up with them. But the next thing we see him doing, and again last week we told you that uh, some believe based on Galatians where Paul said that he had went away for a time and he went into Arabia and he stayed there. A lot of, a lot of folks, commentaries believe that that's where he got that three-year uh, uh, seminary at the feet of Christ and, and studied and learned and then he came back, Paul says. In Galatians he said he came back to Damascus. And what does he do? He opens his mouth and he begins to... To preach that Jesus is the Son of God. Paul begins to preach the truth about who Jesus is. I like the fact that he doesn't wait around. He doesn't lollygog around when he gets back. But the Bible says immediately he gets on the, uh, the, the mission field. Immediately he goes to the battlefield. Friend, I want to tell you there's a lot of people today I know I said lollygog instead of lollygag. Y'all can quit laughing. I know there's a lot of people today that they are not doing what God has told them to do. There's a lot of Christians that are content, uh, like the 60,000 in a stadium. They're content to sit and cheer on the 22 people that are actually uh, doing the work. Honey, listen to me. God doesn't want bystanders. Uh, he doesn't want uh, uh, commentators. Uh, he's not looking for spectators, uh, but he wants participators uh, in the work of God. Uh, friend, there's a work for you to do, and there's a work for me to do, and so teaches us that when God saves us uh, he doesn't save us to be lazy he saves us to be busy for the Lord there's a work for you to do you said preacher I'm not a singer I'm not a preacher I'm not a Sunday school teacher uh, there's literally nothing there's, there's, there's nothing that I can do for God hey friend can I tell you God has put in your heart and put in your mouth uh, the greatest news uh, uh, just remember what he did for you remember the slum hole he picked you up out of uh, remember the mud pit that he grabbed you out of and friend if you can tell others what he's done for you you can preach the gospel and do a work Work for God and service to Him. He preached the good news. And I want to say not only did he preach the good news, but Paul or Saul, uh, he proved the good news. The Bible said uh, that he was preaching that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Verse 22, it said he increased the more in strength. That's spiritual strength. God is pouring into him uh, that what he needs to be able to preach. Uh, and the Bible said he was confounding the Jews. Uh, I believe he's talking about those leaders, those that thought they knew it all. Y'all ever known anybody like that in the church? Man, you can't teach them nothing. They say, I've been here for 40 years. Uh, yeah, and that's why there are those things that you're sitting on is called pews. Uh, a lot of people have been sitting on them so long they stink. Amen. Uh, hey, but friend, I ain't talking about how old you are. I'm talking about how much God uh, in, invigorates you and endows you and endues you with strength and power uh, to open your mouth and preach. Man, I've seen people get up on the pulpit and when they got up there, excuse me, you can accuse me of judgment, judging, but when I saw them, I thought, Lord, help. <laughs> what are we fitting about to hear here? What are we fitting to hear in this message? That guy can't preach. I remember one particular preacher he got up and he was real slow and he talked real slow and I thought Lord help us we're going to be here for three hours but honey when he went to preach he preached for 30 minutes and he told me more in 30 minutes than most preachers could tell you in two hours Amen. Woo! I mean preached but I want to tell you it's not because of him but it's because of him Amen Saul begins to preach and as he's preaching that power of the Holy Ghost is moving in his life and strengthening him and giving him what he needs to say and Paul begins to prove who Jesus is now how does he do that how does Saul Paul y'all excuse me I'm sorry I, I, I don't like calling him Saul because that's his old name I know the text says Saul but we know him as Paul how, how does Paul do that well, the only way that I can see Paul could do that is through taking the Old Testament and through the help of the Holy Ghost pulling out and pointing out everywhere Jesus is. <laughs> that didn't help some of y'all like it did me. I'm going to try to run that by you one more time. He, he went over there in the front parts of your Bible. Those Those... those First, uh, uh, those first books and chapters of your Bible, Matthew through Malachi, he goes over there to the Old Testament. So it said, well, God was prominent in the Old Testament, Jesus in the Gospels, and now it's the time of the Holy Ghost. You can try to cut your Bible up any way you want to, but I got good news for you. God is God, so is the Son of God, so is the Holy Ghost of God. And if God was in the Old Testament, the Son of God's in the Old Testament. And I'm glad over and over and over you can find the tops and the shadows of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad he was the fourth man in the fire. I'm Hey, hey, I'm glad he was that captain of the Lord's host I'm glad you can find Jesus in the Old Testament but the reason this is so great is is that Saul of Tarsus a Pharisee knew that Old Testament fronters and backwards he knew it he knew, he knew everything that that Old Testament he had memorized Richie he had memorized a lot of the or most of the Torah they had to memorize the Torah. They had to memorize the Psalms. Uh, they had to memorize all of this. And for years, Saul had been persecuting the Christians because they had been telling everybody that this Christ in the Old Testament is very Jesus in the Gospels. The Gospel hadn't been written at that time, but they're saying this is Jesus. This is, you know. And Saul said, y'all wrong. And then 
thinking he was doing God a favor, he begins to ki- begins to kill Christians and and imprison Christians and all of this. But now we find here in the text that those same Jews he used to run around with, those Jews he used to rub elbows with, go down to the church house with, those Jews that he used to teach with and he used to teach them, uh, now he's standing confounding them, saying, hey, uh, did, did that Old Testament y'all been reading? Let me show you where Jesus is. Let, let, me, let me take you to Exodus, glory to God. Let me take you over to Exodus chapter number 12. Let's look at that little lamb being carried out of the outside of that house uh, and being slain uh, and the blood being put on the doorpost uh, and the lintel. Uh, and let me show you how when the destroyer came in uh, to kill the firstborn he said when I when I see the blood I will pass over you Saul said I wasn't there boys but I heard that when John the Baptist was baptizing he looked up and said behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world he said boys let me tell you what happened he said I was dying I was going to hell but on the road to Damascus the destroyer was coming my way but thank God the blessed Lamb of God shed his blood upon my soul and he confounded them. They were amazed. He proved that this Jesus is the very... Well, I want to preach on this Jesus. He said that this is the very Christ. Who is he talking about? This Jesus. Jesus was a common name back then. There were many Jesuses running around. And Saul doesn't want them to get confused. He said, That's, this ain't just any ordinary Jesus. Uh, this ain't Jesse down the road. Uh, this ain't Jesus down south. No, no, honey. This Jesus is the Son of God. He is the very Christ. He's their hope is what he's saying. This Jesus is your only hope. Friend, I'm telling you, we're living in a world where folks don't know Jesus. They don't know who Jesus is. They're not aware of the fact he came to save them. There are a lot of church folk that are running around, Caleb, and they're serving another Jesus. They're serving a Jesus of their own making. They're serving a Jesus of their own will, doing what they want, living how they want. But I want to tell you, friend, I got good news for you. There's hope. And the only hope we have is in this Jesus. Hey, man, that Jesus, that Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Hey, man, while he was ascended up into heaven, there were two men in white standing by in white apparel saying, You men of Galilee, while standing, you gazing up into heaven. For this same Jesus that is taken up from you shall so come in like manner as you've seen him go. I'm talking about this Jesus. I'm not talking about an ordinary man. I'm not talking about somebody else. I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about your denomination. I'm not talking about all of this. I'm talking about this, Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him? Do you know this Jesus? Lord, I'm trying to move on to the next point, but I'm hung up on this Jesus. Thank God, do you know him? Do you know him in his virgin birth? This Jesus, who was born in purity 
who was born, hallelujah, not with the blood of Joseph, but with the blood of God. I'm talking about this, Jesus. I'm talking about the Holy Ghost shall, hallelujah, shall conceive in you the Son of God. This Jesus in his virgin birth. Do you know him in his, uh, do you know him in his virtuous life? I'm talking about this Jesus who knew no sin, who was tempted in all points like as we are, but knew no sin. I'm talking about this perfect, uh, impeccable, pure Jesus the pure Lamb of God do you know him do you know him in his vicarious death I'm talking about this Jesus who was your substitute and my substitute and died for my sin and died for your sin I mean do you know him this Jesus this Jesus his virgin birth his virtuous life his vicarious death talking about this Jesus do you know him in his victorious resurrection? I'm talking about, <laughs> hey, 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 this Jesus who was dead. Hallelujah. Revelation 1.18. He said he was dead, but I'm alive forevermore. And I got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. My God Almighty, I'm talking about, do you know him? This Jesus. This Jesus. This Jesus. This Jesus. Do you know him? Do you know him in his visible return? Hey man, whenever I shall see him, even those that pierced him, this Jesus. First John 3 and 1 said, Behold, what manner of love hath the Father bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And therefore the world knoweth us not, for it knew him not. And he said, But beloved, a beloved now are we the sons of God. And it doth not appear what we shall be, but we know when he shall appear. We shall see him as he is, and we'll be like him. Paul said, Now you love him, though you have not seen him. He said, But one day, Though you see now through a glass darkly, then you'll see him face to face. This Jesus. This Jesus. This Jesus. Saul said, if y'all sit down for a little bit, let me take that Old Testament. I want to show you this Jesus. Took him over to Genesis chapter number three. God takes Adam and Eve, who had tried to clothe himself with fig leaves. And he takes an animal outside, I believe it to be a lamb. And he slays that lamb outside the garden. Just like Jesus would be killed outside the gate. And he skins that lamb and he makes coats of skin for Adam and Eve to do what? To cover their nakedness. To cover the shame that sin had brought upon them. And the Bible said God looked at the serpent. And he said, I'll put enmity between you and I'll put enmity between the seed of the woman. Saul looked at him and said, boys, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. That's the, that's the seed of the woman. That's Jesus. Man, this ain't exciting some of y'all like it is the rest of them. I'm just telling you, that's Jesus. That's him. Amen. That's him. I can hear Saul take him to Exodus 12 and say, that's Jesus. I can see him taking them over there to Exodus. Uh, uh, where is it? Is it? Well, I don't remember. Y'all look it up for yourself. I can't do your own Bible study for you. Y'all do your own Bible study. <laughs> Just kind of a spoiler there for most preachers. That's because I don't remember what book and chapter it was. <laughs> it's in there. Amen. It's in there several times. 
Amen. Our, our brother here, he preached on it last week. Brother Caleb preached on it last Sunday night. Oh, the Bible said when they were angry and they were wanting water, he said, you brought us out here to starve us and to thirst us to death. And God said to Moses, go up there and take that rod and smite that rock. And water going to come out of that rock. And Saul said, he'd later write it, you read it last week, and that rock was Jesus. That rock was Christ. That rock smitten. And out, out from him came that virtuous life and that, amen. Amen, that water that sustains us. Glory to God. I'm enjoying my own preaching this morning. Amen. I'm glad Kendall's going with me to Garden Desk. She can drive. Amen. I'm going to need a designated driver. <laughs> amen. That's Jesus. Took him over there to the book of Ruth. He said, you boys know Ruth. Y'all know the book of Ruth. Y'all know the book of Ruth. Y'all, y'all, we, we read it every Passover or we read it every Pentecost. We read it. We make a point to read it. He said, you see over here in chapter number two where it said that Elimelech had a kinsman whose name was Boaz. There's a little maiden girl out of Moab condemned to die under the judgment of God and under judgment of law. She had no place with Israel. She had no place with Jerusalem, with the Jews. But you see, oh, hallelujah, you see, oh, Boaz, riding into that field. Hey, sending out grace. Thank God. That's him. That's Jesus. <laughs> Whoo. Amen. And then he gets all the way over there. I could preach. I could preach all day on this. Well, can you imagine him taking on them? Hallelujah. Taking on them walks around the walls of Jericho. That captain of the Lord's host out there. He said, boys, that's Jesus. That was Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And he goes over there to Malachi. To chapter 4, verse number 2. And he said, he'll come. He will rise with healing in his wings. Said, boys, it was a dark day for 400 years. No, no word for God. Didn't have no prophetic word from the Lord at all. No revelations of God for 400 years. The last thing we heard in the Old Testament was curse. Oh, but boys, I want to tell you, one day coming down the dusty road, there was a man by the name of Jesus, and the gospel broke 400 years of silence, and it changed my life. And I'm here to tell you, he'll do the same for you. He proved to them that this Jesus is very, very Christ. Hallelujah. God will give us a strategy. I hadn't left where I was at. There are many strategies that we could use in order to entice people or try to welcome people and try to, try to get people to come in. But do you notice what Saul uses, what Paul uses, what we ought to use today? None other than the Word of God. There are a lot of things that are good, but there's only one that will get the work done. And that's the unadulterated, undefiled, Holy Ghost filled, fiery, spitting five rolled back, leather lunging it, jumping around, acting like a fool type preaching. Honey, it still works today. Still works today. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone said, Don't you know, preacher, you're supposed to speak to people in conversational tones now. You're not supposed to get loud and get red faced and do all of that stuff. Loosen up your tie and have it crooked the whole time you preach. <laughs> I know y'all been thinking it. Amen. Y'all just ain't said it. 
Courtney, I miss I miss the wits and, and they'll be back. But Courtney, after the service is over, she'll come up because most of the time I preach my tie way over here and she'll straighten it up. I said, Courtney, I like my tie straight. Leave it alone. <laughs> Some people say that's archaic, that's old, that's we don't need it anymore, that doesn't work. I want to tell you it still works and it still brings people to Jesus. It's the only thing guaranteed in Scripture. That's why all them programs will get them in for a while. But, friend, listen, when somebody else has a bigger program, they'll be gone. That's right. But I've learned if you get them in there and you teach them how to love Jesus, you teach them how to love that Bible, amen, they'll stick. Amen. They'll stick. Well, can y'all handle another one? I, I won't finish. I started to preach from this text on church matters. And I talked to y'all about that last week. I, I kind of teased y'all with that last week. Church matters. And it does. The next point I see that if we're going to serve God, we're going to be a success, not in the eyes of the world, but hear God say, well done when this thing's over. God will give us strength. God will give us strategy. But number three, we see in the text that God will give us support. And oftentimes, sometimes that support comes from that the Holy Spirit being with us and in us and through us and walking with us every day. Thank God for that. But I want to tell you how God gives Saul support. Not only through the Spirit, but through the saints. Hallelujah. We can read on, but I've already read it in your hearing. You can go back home and read over it and see if I ain't telling it right. Saul needed support. Y'all don't, y'all don't, y'all don't die down on the shout. Now, I ain't talking about financial support. All right, I have, we ain't preaching on giving and nothing like that. So y'all go ahead and say amen. Y'all amen. Need a support. By the way, if I was preaching on giving and you're giving right, you can still say amen. Eh? Amen. 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 Saul is preaching. The Bible said they wanted to kill him. But the news came to Saul that they wanted to kill him. And so Saul has nowhere to go because they're standing outside the gates. They're standing outside the door. Their torches are lit. They're ready to hang him or to crucify him or to beat him or, or do all of these things to him. Saul's a newborn baby and cries. Can you imagine? You ain't been saved maybe three years and all of a sudden you've, you've caused such a stir people are wanting to kill you. Us preachers, we a lot of times look for the paycheck, paycheck or the pat on the back. We don't expect a stoning. I think the very problem with most of the preachers in this world is after they get done preaching, they want a well done down here, and they're not expecting to get killed. Well, I'm going to tell you, every time you stand up to preach, you, you, you believe that could be your last time to preach. It might change how you preach. Saul ain't been preaching for three years. They already want to kill him. Yeah. Everywhere Paul goes, he either starts a revival or a riot. It's either two is just liable to happen. Amen. So they want to kill him. Saul finds out about it. They're standing out with their torches ready to take him and arrest him. And the Bible says that, hallelujah. The Bible says that, I wish that I brought some rope in the basket so I could illustrate this this morning. The Bible says that when the church found out about it, they didn't say, well, sorry, Saul. It's been nice knowing you. You've been a good pastor. We love you. 
good luck. <laughs> no, that's what a lot of church folks would do. These newborn babes in Christ would send them out there like sheep to the wolves and not help them. But you know what these, these people of God did, Micah? The Bible said they put them in a basket. I told y'all last week, I got a message I want to preach on becoming a basket case for Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. That's what Paul later on would write. He said, we lose our mind. Good title. You lost your mind. Amen. My mama always said, have you lost your mind? Yes. Paul, Paul said, we lose, lose our mind. We put on the mind of Christ. Becoming a basket case. Amen. <laughs> That's what he does. He becomes a basket case. That word basket, it's, it's interesting. You know it. You've seen it in text, in Scripture. Mark talks about Jesus going over to the Gentiles. And he feeds 4,000 with, uh, with those fish and, and, and a few little bread, loaves of bread, barley bread. And the Bible said that after it was over, they took up seven. Now, don't get that confused with the 5,000. They took up 12 baskets. That was picnic baskets. Amen. Pick a dick basket. Is that Yogi? Hey, anyway. No, that was Fat Albert. Anyway, uh, pick a dick basket. Mark tells us with the feeding of 4,000 during the capitalists, he said they took up seven baskets full. Those baskets are not picnic baskets. But those are large baskets that were used to carry clothing and used to carry other things. It was, they were big baskets, large enough to carry a man. It's the same word used in Acts chapter number 9. He wasn't trying to scrooge into a little small basket. But they had a basket large enough to hide the man of God. Woo! Hallelujah. To hide and protect their man of God. And the Bible said they let that basket over the wall. And they let him down. I see them as they're pulling that rope, letting that rope loose. And that slack is pulling. And you know how it is when you're trying to hold on to a rope. Y'all remember rope climbing in PE class? I was always sick that day. <coughs> Can't come, sorry. You're trying to grab that or, 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 or tug of war. And that rope get to pulling on your hand begins to burn. Can't you imagine those disciples as that weight of that body is going down that wall and Paul's looking up and they're looking on. I told you last week too I was going to preach a message that old title that somebody needs to hold that rope because you don't know what's in your basket. They knew who was in that basket. His Saul but his name would be turned to Paul the apostle to the Gentiles, the one God's going to use to write more than half of your Bible. Talking about Saul of Tarsus turned Paul, servant of God, is in that basket, and they're letting him down. Oh, don't you know, Paul, when he reached the bottom, he got out safe, and ran off uh, for his own protection. He thought, boy, I'm glad somebody didn't drop the rope. Man, I'm glad somebody didn't let it go. 
I'm glad somebody found a basket to put me in. Can I tell you my life has been a great, I've had a great life. God has blessed me. But I ain't come this far because I've been good at being a Christian or good at being a preacher. I ought to tell you why I'm where I am. It's because God's given us support. God has had people that'll put their man of God in a basket and hold the rope and protect him and take care of him. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the church. God provided support in a time of danger. But we see another time he supplied support. It was in a time when he faced doubt. Saul wanted to go join himself with the Jerusalem church. He wanted to get in there to see the apostles. And who wouldn't? There's Peter, James, John, all of those great men of God that walked with Jesus. Soldiers saw vision on the road. They saw the real thing. And man, they, he wants to get around these boys. And he wants to learn more about this Jesus. And uh, when word comes that Saul was on his way, all of those stiff-necked Baptists down there at Jerusalem said, we don't want his kind around here. And I really can't, I really can't call them stiff-necked. I guess I, I can't really give them too much grief because Saul did go to Damascus to kill Christians. Maybe in their mind they were thinking, this is just a ploy. This is an act. This, this, this can't be real. Y'all don't look at me like that. Y'all have had people in your life. Amen. I'm convinced that there are going to be people in heaven that you thought would never make it. And there will be people in hell that you never thought would ever go there. Amen. If you'd have talked to anybody the week before I got saved, they'd all told you I was saved on my way. That's a preacher boy. 11 years old, he's going to be a preacher. I was lost as a goose in high weeds. Honey, I was going to hell at 100 miles a second. I was going to hell. Thank God grace came by my way. Amen. 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 But these disciples, these apostles, now these are the real deal. These are the, these are the, the inner crowd of Jesus. And they said, no, we, we, don't, we don't want him here. Maybe he's coming to spy on us. Maybe he's coming. When he gets here, he'll have group of our uh, Jewish army with him and they'll take us over and they'll kill us and the Bible says that there was a man, we're, we're familiar with him we, we heard about him, I think it was like back in chapter number 4 a name, man by the name of Barnabas and the Bible said that Barnabas took Saul and he brought him in to the brethren Barnabas was a blessing Saul when the others wouldn't receive Saul they would receive Barnabas and so God had a Barnabas hallelujah to support Saul in his service for the Lord can I give you some can I give you some news you may not already know but you need to know it if you don't already you was not made to live this Christian life alone there are no long ranger Christians. Amen. Everybody needs a tonto. These young people are like, who in the world is he doing? That was back in Joe Thomas's day. That was back when he was. God didn't make you to be an island by yourself. God will put people in your life that will strengthen you and stand by you and hold you up. 
and support you. Saul, can you imagine what it would have been like if Saul hadn't had a Barnabas to get him in, to help him win influence over the church at Jerusalem? Man, the story of Acts may read very different. May read very different. Amen. But the Bible said that when he got in, Barnabas went and told him. Now listen, this is why you need to live a pure, have a pure testimony, live a godly life. When Barnabas got in to talk to those apostles, he said, listen, I know you know his past, but let me tell you about what he's doing presently. He's been preaching that Jesus is Christ. And they were so amazed. They said, bring him in. Let's hear from him. And he testified before them. And his life matched up. And they accepted him in. He got with the church. Amen. And then the Bible says again that they were going to kill him. There was Jews that was going to kill him. And the brethren found out of it. See, the first time Saul found out about it. He said, y'all going to have to do something to help me because they're going to kill me. But now he's amongst the church. And the church gets wind of it. And the church steps up. And the church takes care of this man of God. Can I tell you I'm grateful today for the church? Amen. I'm not slowing down because I've run out of gas. I'm slowing down because we're getting close to the end. Amen. Amen. No, I'm not hungry yet. I'm getting there though. (laughs) They come in, they, they're going to kill Saul, and the church takes care of him. I'm glad for the church. Amen. I'm grateful for the church. I cannot understand people that don't think church matters. I, I posted on Facebook, uh, uh, Brother Carl Partain, had the original post, and I shared his post on Facebook this week. It said during the coronavirus and all of this stuff, and I know you are tired of me bringing it up. Honestly, I'm tired of bringing it up too. But it said during this coronavirus, all the people that stayed home to church have gotten used to staying home from church. And that was his fear. And that's my fear. The people have watched it on Facebook. They can catch it anytime they please. They can go and do whatever they want to Sunday morning. And then sometime later on in the afternoon, they can get up and maybe watch a little bit of the singing. All the preachers preaching. Well, we'll skip through that and see see how long he preaches. Uh, okay, he only preached 20 minutes. <laughs> Not. <laughs> and they say, man, I tell you what, at, at church, I, you know, I can't get away with slipping out while he's preaching. But here, I can just turn him off. But it showed that I was on there saying, nobody going to doubt that I wasn't watching church. And I know that's the exception, not the rule. We have a dear brother, a lot of them here at the church, but an older brother, Brother Glenn, his wife, and he'll watch this later, and he, he won't mind me bringing it up. But Miss Sharon passed away before all this mess started. And, boy, he'd tell me over and over. He said, I'm so glad. He said, I'm not glad she's gone, but I'm glad if she's going to pass away, she passed away before this crime. He said it would have been so hard to do that, and many have had to do that. But man, this church was packed full of people giving him support and helping him and strengthening him. And then right after that, this stuff happened, and now he's spent the last three months at home. And he said, Brother Clinton, you don't know how hard it's been not to have people over and be able to go to church and feel the strength and support. People, and then there, and then there, there are those others 
that don't care that don't matter and they don't think church is important I want to tell you there have been times that I've come to church ready to give up and quit ready to throw in my towel and say I'm done but then I got to church and somebody come like Barnabas did for Saul I got Holy Ghost bumps on me so big the halls could bite them you hear me Somebody come like Barnabas did for Saul and lift me up and bring me before the throne of God and support me in my need, in my trouble. How to say one more time, thank God for the church. You got anything bad to say, don't say it to me. I'm glad for the church. I love the church. Thank God for the body of believers that I belong to. Amen. Amen. You know what the Bible calls it, Terry? It calls them the brethren. Yes, sir. You just don't call anybody brother. Uh, no, sir. Amen. Yeah. I got two brothers in this life, <laughs> William and Jacob. They are my no. brothers by blood. Yeah. That means we got the same mama and the same daddy. Right. They are my brothers. If you ask me who they are, I'll tell you they're my brothers. But, friends, since I got saved, I found out I got a family bigger than the family I was born into. And thank God there are brothers and sisters that are aid and support in these days. Amen. I want to tell you, when my daddy passed away, I, man, I wanted to fall all apart, and I know my family felt the same. But I looked around that hospital room, and there was about every member of my daddy's choir lying in the room that night. Boy, I want to tell you, it made a lot of difference. And I know people, some people didn't get that chance, but I'm thankful to God for the church. Hey man, if you didn't have that opportunity, you know what it's like to come back to the house of God and a piece of your heart's missing and you get back to the church and people wrap their arm around you and say, I love you. Hey, Hebrews 10, 25, not forsaking the assembly of yourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, lifting one another up and so much the more as you see the day approach. Church matters. Church matters. I've seen people pass away. Family look at me and say, we don't have a pastor. We don't have a preacher. We don't have a church. Can you come and preside over our family member? And Brother Kenneth, I'm glad to do that. I'm, I'm happy to do that. That's my calling. But I think as I look out over the broken hearts, tear-filled eyes of the, of the service, those that are there, I think, Lord, what do people do without a church family? How do they make it? How do they live? Amen. I can't understand it. But I want to tell you, if we're going to make it in the service of God, and be all that God wants us to be. We need that support. Stop, th stop thinking of church like it's some kind of convenience store. You don't go to a convenience store to buy groceries often. Unless everything else is closed and that's your only resort. Hello. A lot of people treat God like that. A lot of people treat church like that. 
They said, well, we can't go to the beach. We can't, you know, we ain't got the money to go to Gatlinburg. We, we, well, the ball fields, we can't go to the ball fields. Well, I guess since we ain't doing nothing, we'll go to church. You're going to stand before God one day. You're going to give an account how you treated him. And you're going to give an account how you treated his church. And before anybody comes to me and tries to argue after church, I'm not talking about the building, four walls. But I am glad we got a place to come. Amen. I'm glad we got a church building, a sanctuary, a synagogue. Amen. Out away from the world that we can come in and worship God and hear the word of God. When we talk about church, we're talking about that ecclesia. Matthew chapter 16. Upon this rock I'll build my church. My church. My church. Jesus said it's my church. Amen. You say, I don't like it. Jesus said, I don't care. It's still mine. She ain't perfect, I know, but I love her. She's what not worthy. She's worthless, I know, but I died to save her. You know what he said, Ephesians 5.25? Husbands, love your wives. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might present it unto himself. A glorious, a glorious. Do you hear me? That, that means worthy of reward. Glorious church. Amen. God looks at when Jesus looks at his bride, he said, They're glorious. They're glorious. In just a few weeks, in just a few weeks, that back door, well, not really the back door, but in the back of the sanctuary at the gospel house, I'll come out and on my side will be my daughter, my oldest. And Joe, I'll walk her down the aisle to meet her new husband. As much as I've wanted to kill him. Over the last three years. Several times. By the grace of God, I'll walk her down. And there that groom will be. Probably bawling his eyes out. <laughs> He'll be squalling his eyes out. But you know, I bet you in the back of his mind, he'll look at me. You know what he's going to say? Well, she's beautiful. It don't matter what anybody else thinks about her. Nobody else may compliment on her dress. Nobody else may say how beautiful she is. Well, I'm sure they will. But that, <laughs> that groom will look down the aisle and say, she's beautiful. She's mine. Amen. And I'll give that bride over to her husband. Can I tell you, thank God, there's coming a day. Woo! When the angel band will crank up, here comes the bride. And the trumpet of God's going to sound. And that supportive group called the church is going to walk down the aisles of glory. The Holy Ghost is going to give that bride unto the Son. And the Father's going to say, kiss your bride. She's finally home. And you know what Jesus is going to say as the bride approaches? She's beautiful. She's lovely. She's mine. She's glorious. So you say what you want to say about the church. I wouldn't be here without the church. Everything that's great's happened in my life happened because of the church. Amen. The church. Thank God for it. Stand to your feet. I preached longer than I intended to preach this morning. I always do. We're not coming to the altar at this time. Now listen, if you're lost here and you need to be saved, you meet us after church. 
and we're not trying to change things going into counseling rooms and stuff like that just the way things are right now we just uh, we think it's probably safer and better not to but you can pray right there where you are you can bow your head before Christ and say Lord Jesus I'm a sinner I've never been saved if I died tonight or today hell would be my home I don't want to go to hell Lord I want, I want, I want what Saul found I want what Saul had in his life Amen. Let me give you this fourth thing before you before we go. God gave him strength. He gave him strategy. He gave him support. But verse 31 says he gave him success. The churches had rest. The churches had rest and were united and edified. God multiplied. That's what it said. Acts chapter number 2, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4, you find these words that God was adding to the church. And once you get past that, you get into them taking the gospel out among others besides just Jerusalem you don't find them saying he added but you say he multiplied he multiplied through the comfort and help of the Holy Ghost they were multiplied the church got bigger got great God used this man as we're going to see in the coming chapters God used him to do great work for him and God made him successful God made him successful I don't think anybody would 